Lee. Hey, DG. You know what's going on right now? It's a vegan radio shindig. It's a vegan radio 100th episode shindig. <laughs> oh my gosh, 100 episodes of vegan radio. <laughs> it's like a dream. <laughs> I've never been so happy before. Oh, the children are screaming. You could hear them shouting for joy. <laughs> All the children in the neighborhood gathered around us. <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh, we're here for our hundredth episode of Vegan Radio. That's I feel so old. Oh, you're only as it young only as took you five feel. years, <laughs> <laughs> or six or seven now. I can't remember. Oh, 2000. but what a journey! Now you have <laughs> me, the lovely little V. You, the lovely little V. You are very lovely. <laughs> so, for our hundredth episode, what are we gonna do? Well, we went to this, uh, what was it, the New York Vegetarian Food Festival? The third annual, ongoing for three years now. New York City is a huge vegetarian community. Um, it's the first one I've ever been to, though. Well, it's quite a spectacle, is it not? <laughs> so, uh, we have the first interview we have for you is Nira Palawoda. Lovie's been practicing saying that name all day. I really like it. <laughs> You're gonna write a song. Oh, it's a, Oh, it's such a beautiful sound. Um, <laughs> so we have Nira Palawoda. Palawoda. She is going to tell you all about the planning process of the New York City Vegetarian Food Festival, and it's really a great story. It started off as a small idea and became this event that thousands of people attend and raises hundreds of dollars for organizations that help animals. Oh, and, more than hundreds. Well, sorry, yeah. <laughs> Raises thousands of dollars, whatever. Millions, billions. It raises... It's no. raining. <laughs> no, that would be nice. That would be the good day. But there was a big line outside. But the VIP passes did come in handy if you did not want to wait in that crazy long line. And yeah. you got to attend the... Mercy official for animals, after party. fundraising yes. after party. The official New York City. There were some live bands. Yes. I only caught the very end, so. It was a fabulous event with fabulous people. Yeah. And um, all for Mercy for Animals, who we also caught up with, and are going to go ahead and play the interview with Eddie Garza. Eddie Garza. Of Mercy for Animals right after Nira Palawoda. 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 Such a pretty name. Palawoda. I'm Nira Palawoda and I'm the co organizer of the New York City Vegetarian Food Festival. All right, and what's your name? Uh, my name is Lovi and I am the co host of the Vegan Radio Show. Oh, very nice, very nice. So, uh, how, many, how many years has this been going on? This is the third year. And you've done it every year? Yeah, we put it together. You're, you're like one of the founder. Absolutely. <laughs> my brainchild with Sarah. Brainchild, wow. So we were just talking before you came over. She told me the whole story of how it happened. You said Sarah's idea was just to have one simple little vegan barbecue. Yeah. And it turned into what we have here. Wow. Which is so much more than just a <laughs> vegan barbecue. We have how many vendors here? A hundred vendors. Wow. There's a hundred vendors and three stages and one kids area. Wow. And how many people do you expect to go through here this weekend? Well, last year we had 6,000 come through, and this year it seems to be a bit more than that. Wow, 6,000. Yeah, that's, it's a big competition for food and everything here. 
those tables are all really packed. Every every single table you stop at has like five or six people just crowded in front of it. It's amazing. Well, the one that um, is behind us had to close down because they ran out of product already. They didn't really? anticipate how big it was, but they'll be back tomorrow with um, much more product. Oh, good. What what was that? The lemonade t- uh, table is a popular lemonade drink. Oh wow! Made all with uh, with uh, agave. Sweet. <laughs> so, um, getting together with these like 100 vendors, what what was the coordination like this year in comparison to the first year? Well, the first year um, we were launching it, so people didn't know anything about it because it never existed. So it was a lot of um, me and, and my partner going face to face, physically, and talking to people and trying to get vendors involved. And uh, and we were lucky to get. Know a certain number of vendors, um, and it, this year, obviously, this is the third year, so it's a little easier, and people are coming to us um, oh, wanting nice. to, to vend. But we also, on top of that, we still do go out and um, do a lot of research because we like to bring in interesting new vendors and cottage businesses specifically. Where did you guys find the vegan seafood? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's, that's so, the big... yeah, veggie cyber. So every year we try something different. Last year we had vegan caviar. Oh, um, wow. And, uh, and this year um, we have vegan seafood, uh, vegan shrimp. It's uh, veggie cyber. And they were actually referred to us by an older vendor. So it's, it's great. And the older vendor is from China. So this oh, is how we do a lot of, like... new places like, from China. They keep saying that they're product is only, or the, the ingredient it's made of, you know what it is? Yam. Yam? Yam, oh. yeah. That's the shrimp. Huh. Shrimp made out of yam. Amazing. I am. It's delicious, and the consistency is like, you know, it doesn't feel like yam. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Oh, vegans always, and their gypsy always magic. new things coming out every year. It's amazing. <laughs> well, that's why we do it. Um, the festival's really based on education. It's not just for vegans or vegetarians. It's for everybody. Um, so they see what new products are out there food-wise. And not just food, also um, lifestyle products. Um, all Green living. Uh, we have a kids' area this year. And uh, one of the activities that we have going on is puppet making with recycled uh, products. So they go around and collect a lot of the boxes that are now empty and make them into puppets. Sweet. Let's... Well, Let's go is... get a puppet. Okay, I'm in. Let's go make a puppet. <laughs> they should make puppets of us. Can we play? <laughs> <laughs> and they do it in Spanish afterwards. They do a puppet show in Spanish. So we're trying to be bilingual, teach the kids early. <laughs> wow. Wow. What an wow. amazing place. <laughs> Seriously, this should be every weekend. Yeah. Can we make it's, that happen? It's, uh, we need a lot more sponsors and a lot more hours in the day. <laughs> I so. saw the cinnamon snail was outside, too. Okay. Yes. Adam There's... Sobel um, was talking earlier, um, so he was one of our speakers, and we put the cinnamon snails outside, and I think that was one of the saving graces for the line outside. Yeah. So they're and able I to saw that line, food. and then I saw cinnamon snail, but then cinnamon snail had a line that was about right, just a quarter as long. As long so. <laughs> yeah. I remember last year when I came, it was the same situation. It was like... Nobody expected the lines to be just around the block. Like, it, I think it was all the way down Sixth Avenue. Yeah. And and the cinnamon snail line was 
right behind it, like, like right next to it. They were just like parallel, these two long lines, and it was so beautiful to see. I, I couldn't, I couldn't even wait in them last year, so this is my first year even oh, wow. coming. Yeah, we keep telling people um, that they should take advantage of the VIP tickets that we sell ahead of time because those, those are very well worth it, um, and you get priority access as opposed to coming in and trying to get general admission tickets because those are first come first serve, and it's so popular that. Sometimes people do have to wait in line for at least an hour or so. Wow. All right. Well, thank you so much for putting this on and for talking to us and uh, for just being who you are. Such a wonderful person. <laughs> Congratulations on the success. It's thank really you. great. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you for coming and, and supporting us. Of course. <laughs> bye. I'm Eddie Garza, the campaigns manager with Mercy for Animals. We're a national nonprofit animal protection organization that does undercover investigations on factory farms and uses what we find to teach the public who are largely kept in the dark about the way animals are confined on today's animal agriculture. What are the latest campaigns you guys are doing? Well, some of the latest campaigns that we're doing include uh, TV and online advertisements. We've got a really exciting ad campaign that's going to be launched on March 11th. It's going to be shown on MTV, VH1, Bravo in Chicago, Los Angeles, and New York and also on Hulu nationally. So this is some, this is some of the latest stuff that we're doing uh, is increasing our advertising. We're finding that we can reach far more people with the message of compassion if we put some clever advertising and get, drive people to websites that show people uh, you know, the way animals are treated. Most people have no idea that animals on factory farms are confined by the billions uh, just for Americans' uh, food consumption. I think one of the brilliant things that I've seen you guys doing is um, going to festivals and things and having paying people like a dollar to watch a movie. Yeah, so you were talking about the paid-per-view campaign where we pay people one dollar to watch four minutes of a 12-minute documentary we produce called Farm to Fridge. It's uh, basically a documentary of undercover investigation footage from Mercy for Animals and other groups. It shows pigs who are confined in barren metal crates where they can't even turn around or lie down comfortably for their entire lives. Battery caged hens who are confined into small spaces where each animal gets less than less space than an iPad to live her entire life where she's unable to spread her wings or engage in any natural behaviors. So these... Uh, this campaign, the pay-per-view campaign, is basically uh, basically covered by Veg Fund. It's an organization that we work with. They provide all the money for volunteers to um, to do these campaigns all over the country. And um, you can find more information at vegfund.org and request request literature and the video from Mercy for Animals and conduct your own your own uh, pay-per-view event. That's pretty great. It's funny how you say it confined to the space of an iPad where. I remember when I first went vegan, it was always a piece of paper, and now it's the technological change of uh, the animal rights message. Yeah, well, I think it's important for, you know, as to be an effective animal advocate, you've really got to be on the forefront of what's going on with mainstream. So knowing who your audience is, knowing what they, you know, what, what they see every day, and just kind of always being ready to change with the, you know, with the times. And how have you been able to track how successful that campaign is? How many of those people have gone vegan or stayed vegan or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question, and there are certainly surveys that are sent out after after people view these films. We know that people come to our, you know, come to our website after they've watched these films and ordered vegetarian starter kits. As far as whether they're staying vegan, you know, I'm hopeful. 
that they are. You know, the turnout of this event is sort of like very telling at the times. People are really thinking about where their food comes from. And this festival was a lot smaller three years ago. Now it's in its third year and it's been packed all day. So this is this this to me says that this movement is really growing. Yeah, I, I always used to get really bummed out when I meet someone that used to be vegan and aren't anymore, and I still do, but I think the way I look at it now is it, it, it is like a, a movement that keeps growing, even if individuals come in and out of it. Um, you know, there's a lot of people like us who are probably going to be vegan the rest of our lives, but um, as long as the movement keeps growing and that consciousness and the evolution of that consciousness keeps going, that's what matters the most. And yeah. Any other um, campaigns that you're really psyched about right now? The other campaign that we're doing is the Walmart Cruelty Campaign. We've got a tour right now where our national tour coordinator, Phil Letton, is going around to different Walmarts across the country with a huge prop. Um, it's a 10-foot-tall pig crammed into gestation crate. Walmart is one of the only pork, rather, one of the only major chains who's still selling, or rather, who's still supporting who's still supplying uh, or whose, whose suppliers are still cramming pigs into these barren metal gestation crates so we're urging Walmart to get rid of these crates and follow the lead of its other competitors like Costco and Kroger who've already phased these out so targeting one corporation can create a ripple that goes through a lot of other smaller uh, corporations in the industry I guess right yeah, like I said, Walmart is the biggest, and it's also the only one that's still holding out. So you can find out more about this campaign at walmartcruelty.com, and you can sign petitions and urge the CEO of Walmart to phase out these cruelty station crates. Excellent. Um, anything else? What you guys have? How, do, how about local people for local New Yorkers? How would they get involved with uh, Mercy for Animals here? Yeah, visit mercyforanimals.org, and you can fill out a volunteer form. We're always looking for volunteers for all of these festivals. We're going to be at the Green Festival in April, and we're going to be at the Seed in May, and a couple of other festivals around the area. Also, if, you're, um, if you've got a festival anywhere around the country, feel free to you know, check out mercyforanimals.org um, for other volunteer opportunities. The Walmart Cruelty Tour is likely going to be stopping in a town by you, and there are festivals that we're... Uh, willing to you know, supply you with all the tabling materials if you want to be at a Vets Fest in your community. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being here and uh, doing this for the animals. Thank you, Derek. <laughs> and we're back. Did you come from Minnesota? 
don't know Your name sure sounds sweet on a ukulele. a great song yeah I think it's gonna be a hit Derek I hope she likes it yeah we spent a long time working on it well so next up we gotta keep out <laughs> keep on keeping on with the yeah, we're gonna, we, vegetarian food festival New York City vegetarian food festival vegan radio episode 100 <laughs> and we're gonna talk about our favorite topic with our next three guests interviews yep farm animal sanctuaries one of my favorite and yours too. And this show we have a brand new sanctuary all the way from Blairstown, New Jersey. For the Animal Sanctuary. sanctuary. And um, an interview with Teresa Sarazinski. And, <laughs> and then after that we're going to catch up with our last episode, episode 99 interviewee. Our last episode five months ago. <laughs> don't say those things out loud. Gene Bauer is back in New York City, so Derek caught up with him and his girlfriend. Yep, lots has happened since then. So, um, and after that, you'll then hear Mike Stura. So Mike Stura, once upon a time, Mike Stura saved a steer at Woodstock Farm Animal Sanctuary. So now he's Deer. Mike Stura, the steer. Saver, <laughs> but he also saver. saved a goat, which he we're going to hear about a local New York City goat. Yeah, um, and uh, it's a it's a tangled story where I was on an airplane flying back from San Francisco. I don't want to give it all away. Yeah, yeah, save why it I for give the, it all away. Save it for Mike Stura. <laughs> Mike Stura, the steer saver. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name is Gene Bauer. I'm the president and co-founder of Farm Sanctuary here at this amazing New York Veggie Food Fest. And um, have you ever been to New York before? I've been to New York a time or two. Never <laughs> been to the New York Veggie Food Fest. I've heard the last couple of years there have been lines and lines. There's a line this year, too. So this is my first time at this event, and I'm totally loving it. Yeah, I wasn't sure if the line was for the festival or for the cinnamon snail truck, but I'm... I know. I saw that, too, because I've seen lines like that almost for the cinnamon snail truck when I've ever been in New York. So I wasn't sure either, but it was a long line, and people are just interested in all kinds of vegan food, whether cinnamon snail or this festival. And what was you, your talk today? What were you talking about? It was about Farm Sanctuary's work, about the reality of how animals are exploited for food, how the factory farming industry is now seen widely as inhumane and unacceptable, but how we also have... You know, free-range meats that are being marketed and the problems associated with that and how we really do need to move towards plant-based living and, and how we have momentum. There's more farmers markets, there's lots of innovative vegan companies, uh, there's a lot of very exciting things happening now. So that's the kind of stuff I was talking about. 
Cool. And a, so you're you're like a super athlete now too. What's 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 the latest with your athletic career yeah. here? Well, it's true. I've been trying to demonstrate that vegans can do athletic things. So I've run a couple of marathons. I've got another marathon coming up on March 17th in Los Angeles to support Farm Sanctuary. And I've also signed up to do an Ironman triathlon in July of this year. Wow. What's, yes. what's that entail? Well, the, an Ironman, and I've done a half so far, but a full Ironman entails swimming 2.4 miles, biking 112 miles, and then running a marathon. So can you do the doggy paddle? I'm sorry, what was that? Can you do the doggy paddle when you're swimming? Can I do, you can do the doggy paddle as long as you just get through it. Uh, but uh, the doggy paddle is pretty slow, and uh, I will probably do a variety of strokes to get through the 2.4 miles. But I'll do freestyle as much as possible because that's the most efficient and the quickest. But swimming is definitely not my strong uh, my strong. Uh, yeah, that's the one that would thwart me, I think. Yeah, well, that's one of the reasons they do it at first is because... You know, if people are having a hard time, they're, you know, in the water, that's where you don't want to have a hard time, uh, where, whereas running is the last. So, so, but I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll go well. Uh, it will be a very long, painful uh, 15 hours or 12 hours or whatever the length is going to be, but it's going to be a, a, quite a challenge, and I'm looking forward to it. And is uh, Rich Roll, is he going to be doing that one too? Or? Well, I don't think Rich Roll is going to do that one, but he's, you know, an amazing athlete. He's an elite triathlon uh, he's on another level than you. Oh, he's way at a different level than me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm you're uh, catching up. What? Oh, I don't know. I'm catching up. I mean, I'm uh, older than him, so if anything, yeah. I'm slowing down. But uh, I, you know, I do okay, and I think you know, I'm 50 years old, and I want to show. You're 50. Get out of here. I'm 50 years That's old. That's not true. Don't lie to our listeners. Like that. Ah, no, man. 50. Turned 50 uh, last year. I'm be 51 this year. Wow. I'm right behind you, but uh, but it's good to know that someone can still look as good as you when they're 50. Well, that's nice of you. I'm not, I'm not saying that just because I'm trying to get a date or something. <laughs> Actually, your, your girlfriend's here. Yeah, she is. Suzanne's well, my what's girlfriend. What's she doing? Suzanne, get over here. Why are you trying to hide from vegan radio? Yeah. yeah know, here. Tell us, tell us about your... She's me. got this awesome shirt that says, No Meat Athlete. I took a picture of it, so hopefully we can put that on the podcast page and you can see it. What's what's your deal? What's my deal? What are, what are you about? How'd you, how'd you end up with this crazy man? Oh... <laughs> so, so how do you, how do you like in New York? How you must like be a super I'm vegan too, New right? York and I'm loving the, this veggie fest, and I love the Nomi athlete, and, and it's great when you see shirts like this out on a competitive sports field and kind of see all the other active vegans out there. Yeah, it's like one of those shirts you can wear and sweat in, and it soaks up your sweat or something. Exactly. Isn't it? Yes. It's, really, it's got like this carrot running on it. And, uh, I love that shirt. It's very fun. Yeah. Although I will sweat in it a lot. I sweat a lot wherever I go. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I don't know any kind of shirt that can stop my sweat. <laughs> yeah, no, mine either. I'm trying to find a yoga mat that will do that. And do you, uh, were you an activist when you met Gene? Are you? Because he sucked you into the activist world? Yeah, yeah, in, in a certain way. I was a vegetarian over 20 years by the time I met him, but a vegan after meeting him, and definitely am feeling my feelings revitalized, you know, after being in the, in the world with him. So we know that Gene has at least converted one person to veganism. Yes, absolutely, at least one. <laughs> well, that's good. And it's, it's good to know that you've con- converted someone because you do a lot of work and you never know. And Suzanne, you know, played a role in getting me doing triathlons. You know, I've been a runner for a long time, but first time I ever did a triathlon, and she's the one that got me doing that. Awesome. Yeah, it's fun. It's very fun. What's uh, what's the one thing you would want to tell the world right now about uh, about how to be a better place? About how to make the world a better place? Yeah. What's what, what's is there like one campaign that you're really passionate about right at this moment? 
just be nice. Be nice, that's it? Yeah. And, and, yeah, and go vegan, of course. Simple message. Simple, simple, simple. Yeah, and just be nice now, you know, and just don't think about, oh, I'm going to be nice when something happens. Just be nice and just do good things and, and eat in a way that is kind and doesn't contribute to these horrible, you know, factory farms and this horrible food system. And Because how we eat is a profound part of who we are. We eat food and it is literally incorporated into our bodies and we're eating death and cruelty and misery and we're exuding it as a species and it's horrid and so just eat well live well be nice and and hope for the best yeah death stinks when it comes out of your body what's we don't want to be stinky people no that's right meat is stinky putrefying flesh we don't need it don't want that coming out your pores nope all right well thank you gene it's always a pleasure it's great seeing you and too I'm, a, I'm always a joker i'm glad you can put up with me you know, I always love seeing you, man. Love hanging out. We'll do some yoga one day. Yes. Hopefully soon. Oh, at the hoedown, I'm the yoga teacher. Oh, good. Maybe we'll You're do some yoga, yoga at the hoedown. We'll be, we'll be there. My name is Teresa Sarzinski. I'm the vice president of for the Animal Sanctuary, a farm animal rescue in Blairstown, New Jersey. And you got elected vice president? Um, well, I, uh, <laughs> nobody else really wanted the job. It's just a trick question. <laughs> it requires a lot of work for no money. So how long has the uh, sanctuary been around? We got our first animals in 2007, and we got our 501c3 in 2008. How far are you from New York City? We are an hour west of the George Washington Bridge. Oh, that's pretty quick. Yep. Is there any public transport out that way? Unfortunately, no. I think the furthest it goes is like 15 or 20 minutes right away from the sanctuary. So you need a little little shuttle. We do need a little shuttle. (laughs) Or some sort of deal with like Zipcar or something from the people from New York. Oh, that's a good idea. Um, what, how, how many animals do you have? What kinds of animals? What's going on there? Um, right now we have five bovines, uh, 12 goats, four industry pigs, and four hens. We're only eight acres, so we're more of an education sanctuary since we can't really rescue quantity. Yeah. And you're in a kind of an urban type part of town? or? No, we're pretty much you're in the there. middle of meat and dairy country. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> good. Yeah. So everybody, and a lot of, it's a good educational program because a lot of times people driving out to come see us on visiting days will drive past farms that have their animals out grazing. And, you know, when they're like, well, you know, they don't seem so bad because they get to be out. We actually do some education on, you know, what happens to them and why just because you see them grazing doesn't mean that they're happy and healthy. And Right. Well, you couldn't really be any further out in the middle of nowhere than Farm Sanctuary. This is they're, true. They're, they're pretty out there, and they seem to have done all right. So, Yeah, I've been out to Farm Sanctuary a couple times. Oh, I hope so. It's like a five-and-a-half-hour drive from my house, but, yeah. so I don't go yeah, as often as, a I, bit of a hike from the city. as I could. But <laughs> <laughs> So tell us, uh, tell us a, a story about one of your animals that, you let, that, you're, uh, that has a good story. Um, well, right now we have uh, mother and son um, bovines, Prostines. Uh, Benjamin, the baby, was born on February 10th of last year, so he just turned one recently. Oh, wow. Um, and he was born on a day that we had to euthanize um, a Holstein cow that we had that had fractured her hip and went lame. And she, he was born on the same dairy farm that she was rescued from. Oh, wow. And the reason that we had gotten him is because we contacted somebody that helped facilitate the rescue with Hope. There's a woman that we know that does um, trap, neuter, and release for cats on the dairy farmer's property. And she has a rapport with him now so she was able to get him to release hope to us originally and then when hope ended up because she came to us so malnourished from being in the dairy industry for so long right um she she was just fragile and she ended up 
um, breaking her hips. And we, when the day that we put her down, we called the woman that helped facilitate the rescue the next day. And she said that she was actually at the farm um, checking her traps and saw a male, you know, being born roughly around the same time, you know, like in the afternoon that Hope was being euthanized. And wow. she said, if we can get him out of there, would you take her? We said, absolutely. And Debbie um, Kowalski, the sanctuary owner, um, said, well, you know, can you try to get his mother? Because he had just lost, you know, a, right, a, a, right. a mother that was in the industry. So he kind of wanted to rescue somebody, you know, see if we can get her. And it didn't seem likely just because obviously she's now, you know, in prime production cycle because she had right. just given birth. But um, he happened to be downsizing his dairy to get beef cattle. And she was only filling up um, in with milk in the top two udders and not in all four. So he ended up kind of reluctantly agreeing to let her go as well. So we were able to actually get a mother and son. And um, the mother's name is Grace, and her son's name is Benjamin. And uh, this is the first child that she gets to raise because she's been in the industry for about three and a half years, and he, she had other children taken away from her. Right, that's um, a constant cycle of... Right, she had at least one daughter that the dairy farmer confirmed was taken away. Wow. Um, and now she gets to raise her baby and when people come out to the sanctuary and see like especially last summer when he was still very young and see him nursing like that's who the milk is for that's pretty <laughs> not special. us yeah, and, that's you know, like beautiful. that's that's why she makes milk she doesn't make milk for us she makes milk for him oh, no. <laughs> so it was nice like it was sad because we lost somebody so it was a really emotional time you know this time last year because we lost hope but then you know we were able to because of that you know find out that ben was born and you know, talk the dairy farmer into releasing both of them. So, don't lose hope. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Even when you lose hope, don't lose hope. <laughs> Even when you lose hope, you, you gain something else. <laughs> oh wow! So, what? When's your tour season start up this year? It starts up in April, depending on um, the winter. Sometimes it's mid, you know early April. Sometimes it's late April. Um, we are all volunteer, all donation run, so we're not open every single weekend throughout this visiting season. Um, we have scheduled dates on our Facebook page and on our website because we have to figure out when the volunteers that right, right. know enough to give tours are, you know, not have to be at work and everything else. So um, it, we, we kind of post website? like a month or two in advance. <laughs> yeah. Um, www.fortheanimalsanctuary.org. Fortheanimalsanctuary.org. Awesome. Blairstown, New Jersey. I have no idea where that is, but I'm going to get there. An hour dead west of New York City. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much for doing this for the animals and thank uh, you. For, for coming on my crazy show. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I would love to be on everybody's crazy show. The animals need to, uh, you know, the more people that they can reach, the more people that maybe they can change their minds and hearts. I think so. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Could you tell me your name and what the hell you're doing here? Um, Mike Stora, and I'm lowering the property value mostly. <laughs> Excellent. So I was on a... Uh, Airplane. I went to visit San Francisco, and I was on Virgin Airlines. You know, I was flying back. They had everyone's got their own TV, and I I was watching random things to keep myself amused. And I saw a news story of a a goat that escaped in Brooklyn, which happens all the time. And that he was running and getting chased by police and all that. And I was thinking, oh, I hope I hope that goat ends up at uh, Woodstock Sanctuary. And then I got back, and I saw you had posted on Facebook about how you had been involved in making that actually happen so <laughs> yes sir. How, how'd you come in, how'd you come into it you willed it and, and and i made it happen for you there you go thank you thank you thank you uh you know um it was early early in the morning um and i was actually sleeping and my wife wendy happened to be up watching the news 
early and uh, comes running and wakes me up goes, there's a goat on TV, there's a goat on TV. And I'm like, ah, okay. So we go in and luckily I have a DVR so we rewound it and sure enough there's a goat running loose uh, in the city uh, in Brooklyn and they had captured him. And um, so uh, we just started trying to figure out how to get him if we could and um, took seven police precinct calls to figure out uh, where he was. And then... um, I would say about 7 o'clock or so, uh, then just went on the road and trying to get him. And then got a call from another volunteer, Melissa uh, Cassiopo from Woodstock also, who then saw it on the news right then. And she was like, oh, there's a goat on TV. I said, I know. We saw him, and I'm I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it. And so um, we went trying to find him. I went and got my trailer. You know, I have a trailer for rescuing animals. And uh, went, went and started trying to find out where he was and... Enlisted the help of a couple friends, Amy Trukinski, and then I called uh, Sheila, the farm manager at Woodstock, uh, and asked her and said, uh, "We're going to try and get him. Can we?" You know, and she said, "I'll make a bed ready for him." <laughs> and uh, and eventually we got him. We got him from the uh, animal care and control, even though he was already supposedly given away to somewhere else. Oh wow! Um, but it, it worked out good because. Uh, when I finally got through to them, they don't answer the phone. It's a nightmare. It's very frustrating. And I'm sitting in traffic and sitting in traffic trying to get into where they are. And uh, when she finally answered the phone, she says, oh, he's gone. He's, he's, gonna, he's got a place to go already. I said, but it's not a sanctuary. You know, uh, I'll make sure he lives his whole life out. And the girl says, well, well, where are you? I said, according to my GPS, I'm 1.3 miles from you right now. She goes, oh, okay, hold on, hold on. Comes back a minute later, and she goes, they didn't even leave yet. He's yours. Oh, wow. And that's how we got him. And we ended up with him, and he's he's coming along. He's very thin. Um, Sheila arranged a, a, a vet visit. So on the way to the farm, I went to the vet with him, and they checked him and just said he was thin. But other than that, he's doing really well, and he's he's really come along. So what did what'd they end up naming him? His name is Wilfred. Wendy, Wendy Wilfred. named him. Wendy. Because we got another one we rescued a while back. Uh, we helped with uh, <laughs> named Walter. Oh, and she just thought another W would be good. <laughs> I don't know why. Her name is Wendy. I, I don't know. See a pattern oh, here? I see. Yeah, I, see, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Subconsciously. Yeah, she acts like that's not true, but I believe She's it is. She's blushing right now. Yeah. She doesn't even want to come on the radio. Yeah. So, so he's doing well. I hope he's... I hope he's just and you guys, you guys don't have any kids of your own, so this no, we don't. Naming we have, goats is like this. Uh, yeah, we have close, you know, closest thing, right? Yeah, fur animals, you know, fur babies. I guess yeah. they call them. Animals right? that you can drop off at a sanctuary and just visit. That's the best way. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd like to drop them off in my backyard, but I don't know how the neighbors would go with it. You know. Yeah. So you, you think of ever opening your own sanctuary, or are you just happy to be? Oh, uh, you never know. Helping Jenny and Doug out all the time. You know, I, I I'm. I'm just whatever whatever ends up being the the most I can do for the animals uh, is is I, I'm finding my way, Derek. You know that I'm fairly new to this. It's only been three years for me. I don't know. You should see his tattoos. Show mercy for animals. Oh, what's is this a new one? What's this? Uh, that's my. That's the day I went vegan. Oh wow! So yeah. it's not much after that that I met you. And here's my nose. Do you want to see? That's my. Oh number. yeah, the four three eight seven. Yeah. That's yep. the number that was on him uh, when I got him. That's one of the cows at Farm uh, Woodstock. That's Mike, yeah, that I got. Mike I got from, uh, he escaped from a slaughterhouse in New Jersey, and I went and got him from another slaughterhouse that supposedly was uh, 
they supposedly were sending him to a farm to live his life out because he escaped. Oh, wow. Uh, but it ended up being another slaughterhouse across town, and I went to the slaughterhouse and got him, and I got him to give him to me. Did you use intimidation tactics? Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think... I think it, it, kind subtly, of I think I did. I think it, somewhere in there, more than just me being a critter, I think they thought that there would be like, you know, a hundred animal activists outside their slaughterhouse with signs. Yeah. They didn't know it was just me at the time, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm pretty good at bluffing. So. Oh, good job, good job. That's yeah. what we need. All right. Any message for our listeners? Uh, go vegan, stay vegan, and make more vegans. Okay? Oh. <laughs> that's, that's all I have. We have a special guest here, my newest addition to my bunny family. And yep. in honor of our next segment of vegan ladies. These rabbits are multiplying like rabbits around here. <laughs> I'm my newest. They doubled, doubled the population. Lady Bunny has joined us. <laughs> now there's two rabbits. <laughs> we have... So we have a, a male and a female? Correct. Oh my goodness, They're what's going to happen? They're of course rescued, so the rescue agencies... Neuter and spay. Oh. Well, that's wonderful. Don't shop, adopt, <laughs> folks. Yeah, well, I heard. I heard there's a lady vegan in this room who wrote a new blog post on the vegan radio website. I'm giving it a go. I yeah. think I have some things to say. Yep, yeah, I'm Hopefully sure your voice listen. is going to get stronger and stronger as you go too. Yeah, because you're a strong woman, just like all these multitudes of women we're about to play for you here. We've got. Five vegan ladies who are going to take the the mic away from us and tell you all about what they do. We had Ellen Jaffe Jones, who we obviously saw at the Vegetarian Food Festival, because that's our hundredth episode of Vegan Radio. Oh my God! Uh, so Ellen Jaffe Jones, who wrote the book Vegan: How to Be Vegan on Four Dollars a Day, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. And that's the premise of the book. Tired of hearing that veganism is expensive. Yeah. And her uh, interview was kindly interrupted by Victoria, Victoria Moran. Moran. The Main Street Vegan. So we had a double dose of vegan lady awesome writer-ness. Yep, they're palling around the, the town together. And then we had the, the, the newest, local uh, the bloggers. The bloggers. Fellow bloggers. To start some kind of fashion business. A vegan, of course, fashion business. Um, and Rachel K. fashionable Rachel K. Always. <laughs> and her pal. Marina Guvank. Marina Guvank. Marina Guvank. Not quite Paliwoda. Nobody's a Paliwoda. There's, there's only one Paliwoda. <laughs> um... So, and then we have one more, right? Our final vegan oh. lady for this segment is the regal vegan herself. Yes, Ellen Mkova. She is amazing. and She just made my... her The mention of her name just made Lady Bun jump for joy. She jumped for joy. I actually had an amazing potato salad at uh, the lovely regal vegan Ellen Mkova's 
Um, say amazing and potato salad in the same sentence seems crazy. It seems crazy, but it was fabulous. I enjoyed it. How did it. she do it? How does she do it? Honestly. <laughs> the regal vegan. So. Here it is. The women of Here veganism. Has any podcast ever brought you so many powerful, wonderful women in one show? I honestly do not think so. I don't think it's possible. I can't even believe the they were all in one room. The only one who could break that record will be our next show, maybe. Maybe episode 101! One, vegan 101! <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully it won't take so long. I won't promise anything anymore because... I know, I know I've broken a lot of hearts out there with my promises. No promises, but good intentions. We promise we, we'll you. We'll try to be more frequent. Yeah. We'll do our best. Okay. Oh, Rachel Kay. <laughs> I'm Ellen Jaffe Jones. I'm the author of Eat Vegan on $4 a day. And I just wrote the book because I got tired of seeing all these stories on the news that said you can't eat well on a budget or food stamps. And I've eaten this way for the better part of 32 years. My mom, aunt, and both sisters had breast cancer. We were part of the original breast cancer gene studies. And I just felt like there needed to be a more fair and balanced side of this reporting job. Well, uh, Lo V was about to write a cookbook called Eat Vegan on $5 a day. And now she has to go back to the drawing board because... you outdid me, you know. You you just t- you want you took me one step lower, and I my idea is worthless. I'm sorry about that, <laughs> but you know there can always be one more vegan cookbook. So oh, yeah. find a different title, a different spin, and I'm sure it'll be fabulous. Eat vegan on three dollars a day, three dollars oh. and eighty five cents. You could call it the food stamp diet. Yeah. <laughs> How to live on EBT? Um, could you give us an example of a four dollar? Like, if I had $4 today, what would I do? Well, I have a whole chapter on my top 10 tips. And my favorite one is buying beans in bulk and buying them as cheaply as you can. Is that the BBB theory? Buy beans in bulk. However you remember it. So the 20-pound bag of beans at most big box stores is going to cost you a nickel an ounce versus beef tenderloin, which is $1.12 an ounce. So when you start multiplying that times four ounces, you are saving so much money. If you get rid of the meat and dairy in your life and replace it with bean protein, you're going to save so much money, you'll have money left over to go buy the produce, which may be a little more pricey. But I have lots of tips about buying in season and what to look for when you're shopping so that you don't get uh, taken advantage of and buying expensive packaged goods uh, that can cost more. And that's really, you just have, it's a discipline. You really have to learn and think about buying foods in their natural state what did our ancestors do? What did Mother Nature intend? Ask yourself all these questions. This gives me an opportunity to shout out. If you're in New York City, you can go to the 4th Street Food Co-op. You can go buy all the beans you could ever want in bulk. Your beans, your grains, and there's also all organic produce. And a lot of it's local, so make sure if you're in New York City to check that out. We have Ellen here. She's from uh, St. Pete, right? Yes. Florida? It's Victoria Moran. What's up? <laughs> hey. Hey. Wonderful. <laughs> what a day. <laughs> Tomorrow. Now we got two authors here. You guys know each other? I'm staying at her house. How lucky am I? Oh, wow. You guys are lucky. Yeah, we're camping this weekend. Vegan author camping, like in Girl Scouts. It's probably the, the uh, best catered event in town right now. Well, we're hitting a lot of restaurants, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is the hardest work I've ever done, quite frankly. I mean, just being here and engaging with everybody who comes by. I love doing it, but 
you know, you're on your feet and you just want to answer a million questions all at once. And looks like you got a question right here. I'm the author. If you have any Victoria, questions. what's uh, can you get? Can you vouch for this four dollar a day cookbook here? Oh, absolutely. This is fabulous. We used to go vegan to save money, and then all of a sudden, this myth developed that it costs a lot. And that's only because of all the wonderful processed foods that we can have for treats and special occasions. But certainly, if you do what Ellen tells you, you can do it and save enough money to go on a vegan retreat next summer. Well, that sounds like <laughs> a good plan. So you're, you're uh, v- Victoria Moran, for our listeners who don't know, is the Main Street Vegan. She has her own podcast, too. And this is Lovie. Have you met Lovie? No. Hey. Nice to meet you. Lovie is my down-home co-host, New York City. <laughs> and uh, we're... We're checking out this $4 a day thing here. How much is a cookbook? Is that factored into the price? I tell people, if you don't make the money back you paid for it in the first month, I will buy the book back from you because I believe there are that many money-saving ideas. Every book has, um, every recipe has a price associated with it, rounded up to the nearest quarter based on ingredients you can find at any big box store that is driving distance from your house, even in Manhattan. So if you shop twice a month or once a month, you can stock up on these kinds of foods and really save a bundle. Um, because I was a financial consultant, I my brain is a little trained to crunch the numbers, so when I see the unit price on a food, I'm automatically computing how much it's going to cost to make a serving. And that's really where this came from. I also have a whole week's worth of menu ideas. Not that you would necessarily eat this way every day of the week, but it just shows that using recipes from the book, you can actually do this for seven days in a row, three times a day. It's just to prove a point. Because so many people say, oh, you can't eat well on a budget or on food stamps, and it's just not true. Excellent. Well, I, I, I hope you're right. I think you are. Uh, What about organics? If people want to eat an organic diet, does that kick up the price a little? Well, I I tell people, you know, organic isn't in the title of the book. However, on one of the pages, I go into detail about how you can... I had a little little sound effect of the pages turning. Could you do that again for us? That's pretty cool. Of course, you're going to have to buy this book because I just bent it, but that's okay. It's worth it. So here we go, organics. Um, Check Environmental Working Group for the Dirty Dozen or the Clean 15, and that's one way you can kind of cheat on the organics part of it. And then um, joining a CSA or a local farm, go on localharvest.org. Or or street food co-op. Or whatever. (laughs) Uh, But if you go on localharvest.org, it will tell you any farm or CSA that's near you. So that's That's the way to go, really. You can often get food for free if you go volunteer at these places, which is really cool. Go Freegan. That should be your next book, How to Eat Vegan on Free. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much. I hope you have great success here. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was nice meeting you. Thank you, Victoria Moran. What, what are you up to? You got any other projects you want to promote on our podcast here? Oh, that's so kind. Well, the most exciting thing that I'm doing right now is Main Street Vegan Academy, which is a five-day intensive in New York City to train vegan lifestyle coaches. We have the most fun. We learn so much. We take fabulous field trips proving that New York City is Disneyland for vegans. And the information is at MainStreetVegan.net. I've, I've known a couple of people that have gone through your program, and they seem very satisfied with it. I'm glad to hear that, because it just seems like a real gift. And then people take it out into the world. Our last class that we finished last week had people not only from all over the country, but a woman came from Doha in Qatar. Oh, well, they got money over there, right? 
Well, there's a need. You know, all around the world, people are getting the message that our arteries are in trouble, and so are the animals. And our planet. Yeah, everything. And then there's an answer. So we're lucky to know it. And it's choose plants on your plate. Amen. Oh, my goodness. So how often do you do the... Uh, Four times a year. We have one coming up in June, August, and November. Fabulous. Better start saving up, though. I know, right? I gotta, I gotta put my monies aside. You gotta, so you gotta step up your coach. game a little here. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Victoria. What's your uh, website? Mainstreetvegan.net. Excellent, excellent. And how about you? Where can we find your book? Amazon or on my website, VegCoach.com. VegCoach. Were you in Victoria Moran's program? Yes. Yes. <laughs> all right, thank you. Thank you all. Thank you all so much. My name is Marina Dubench. My name is Rachel Kay. And we're, we're doing a vegan fashion project. We're trying to bring vegan fashion into the mainstream, make great brands of it, and uh, eventually create a marketplace where you can buy high-end fashion that's vegan. Sweet. And beauty products as well. So are you promoting other people's products, or do you make your own, or a little of both, or how does that work? We're actually going to be offering a marketplace for other designers and vendors to sell their products that we will promote for them. And you have a blog of some sort? Yes, we have a blog right now that's located at thenewlove.com. The New Love. The New Love. How do you spell love? L-U-V. So it's thenewluv.com, where we write... All sorts of eclectic stories and interview different designers, and uh, we even is it just the two of you guys writing, or is it you got a bunch of writers? Or? It's the two of us. Um, a lot more Rachel than I, and, but we do have other guest writers, and we're hoping to get new bloggers on soon. Yes, we're actually currently looking for other bloggers out there and other stories to write about. And what what types of topics do you want people to write about? Well, we have a few different sections right now. We have fashion, we have uh, diversions, which is just anything out there that in current events and um, about yeah, mis- vegan, vegan um, interests and uh, you know just things that are happening, laws that are changing. But also, we're doing a lot of things on you know on design and and sex. Sex, because, scandalous. Yes, we actually have a sex 101 because not everybody out there in the vegan community actually. Knows how to have sex? Well, everyone does appreciate a bit of sex. (laughs) But not everybody actually has the courage to write about it. And we believe that we can change that and go basically... Empower 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 vegans to be sexual. Yeah, actually it's to show the rest of the world that being vegan is being sexy. I see. Did you ever hear of vegan sexuals? It was just... uh, term going around a couple of years ago about um, people that only would have sex with other vegans. Have you ever heard of that? No, I don't think that's true. No? It's no? True. no, it's true. I mean, it was really a term. We used to talk about it on vegan radio. I remember that, actually. might have been before you guys were sexually active, I don't know. <laughs> so, um, so, vegans and sex and... Well, we're not in the... I think what why we named it the new love is because we what we want to show is that this is the new love of the world you know what we want to show is that 
you can be loving and compassionate and for the and right be vegan. and well be vegan for the right reasons whereas what what society thinks may be bad or or naughty is not so we're turning things on top of their head so basically just um, dismantling the idea of veganism and the cultural idea of what is good and bad and all that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. tearing it down so we can rebuild a better world Exactly. But yet you can still be fashionable, you can still be sexy, and you can still You can be still dress up like an airline hostess from the 60s and come to a vegan event. I have no idea who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Visit our website. Oh, what's the website? The new love dot. The new L-U-V.com. Or we're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash the new love, the new L-U-V, as well as on Twitter at the new L-U-V. And Pinterest. And Pinterest. Pinterest. And LinkedIn. And <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you and, so much. And uh, <laughs> no, but we're also, um, but we post, we try to post daily on the face on Facebook, and we like to keep everyone up to date and hear what other people think about it, about us, as well as if you know any designers out there, just tell them to contact us. Okay, contact the new love. Thank you, thank you, Rita. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. La 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 la. Wait, what? Tell me what your name is and why you're here. I'm Ellen M. Cobra from the Regal Vegan, and I'm here to sell people amazing spreads with no compromise. No compromise. How would you compromise a spread? Well, you know, a lot of times when you go vegan, you feel like, well, it just it's just got to have nothing really good for you in it. And my philosophy is. Things should taste amazing, and having respect for the animals and respect for the planet doesn't mean we can't have respect for the people and their taste buds. And so, faux gras, what is, what is faux gras? Faux gras is a walnut, lentil, and caramelized onion pate. Really, it's a rich, creamy, decadent spread. We use it for sandwiches. We use it in calzones. They come, they come out for tasting pretty amazing. Um... A dip for crackers, veggies, what have you. I mean, it's like an all-around yummy snack. And you have some new product, I heard? Yes. Well, we have basilicotta. That's relatively new. And that's a basil cashew cheese spread, which is like kind of like pesto meets cashew cheese. It makes an incredible pizza. It makes incredible stuffed shells and lasagna filling. Also, we've got it today in Calzone, so I think that makes it pretty good. you got a dude here with like a mohawk eating your stuff. That's got to be pretty exciting for you. I like it when people with mohawks eat my stuff because it really shows that we don't discriminate between different hairstyles. I mean, I don't care what you look like. And how did you become the Regal Vegan? Or do you have some kind of line of um, royalty in your blood or something? It is rumored on my mother's side of the family that we're descendants of the Romanovs. But really, Regal Vegan came out of this feeling that I had when I went vegan that just everything changed. I mean, I felt clean and I felt conscious and I felt in harmony with the earth. I felt incredible from the kinds of foods that I was eating. I felt like a queen, you know? You look like a queen. You look like a king. Oh, thanks. Oh. That's my uh, partner over here. You better be careful. Yoga partner, right? Yoga partner, yeah. <laughs> so, um, did she looks like a queen, too. I mean, just she for does. the record. She's a Peruvian princess. Um, so there's rumors that you've been spotted at the Turkish baths. Is there any uh, truth to this? I mean, in keeping with, you know, our Russian regal heritage. I do like to spend some time in the Russian baths 
I think it's very important to detox, and that's part of my practice is eating clean and staying clean. I've also showered yesterday once and today once. Wow, once a day. I mean, listen, when you do a festival this size, the fact that you have time to bathe is kind of a miracle. And it probably makes your customers happy, too. I'm not sure everybody here has had that chance. Yeah, there's a lot of dirty hippies here. I can tell you my jeans have not had that chance. So. Oh. How do, you, how do you take a bath without washing your jeans? Well, I try to take my jeans off when I take a shower, but when I take a bath, like, all bets are off, because then I'm washing myself <laughs> and I'm washing my jeans. It's like two for one. All right, so back to the subject of veganism. Um, how, how do you feel this festival is, uh, is it helping the vegan movement out? Is it making us look like silly people that like to eat a lot of weird food or what? I think the great thing about this festival is it exposes people to new things and it allows me to expose myself. Wait a minute. That's not true. <laughs> I think what it really is doing for the movement, and it's showing people that there's a variety, there's a wide variety of foods to eat, from sweet to savory, from rich to light, that there's no shortage of creativity and that the vegan movement is going to have a long and healthy life because it's an unmined territory. I think vegan cooking is the last frontier. You know, once people learn, I mean, if you have like a high-end chef and you come into his restaurant and you say, I want a vegan meal, they're like, pasta primavera? And you're like, can you be a little bit more creative? And I think this festival is proof that we are the forefront. We are the leaders of like the new culinary movement because we are creating things that are a little bit more creative than pasta primavera. Excellent. Speaking of pasta, we do have a superfood pesto, which is incredible with pasta. Superfood pesto. Superfood pesto. What's We're trying super, it out at the festival. What's the superfood part of it? Well, it's kale and parsley, which are incredible for you, detoxifying. And we all know kale has more calcium than milk, plus iron, plus <laughs> vitamin C, plus vitamin K, but more vitamin C, I think, than citrus fruit. Kale. Wow, I think they named vitamin K after kale, didn't they? I think they did. Well, that's amazing. I'm glad you're here, and I'm, I'm glad that you're a part of my royal family. I'm glad to be part of your royal family. And I'll see you later at the Turkish Baths. Yes. Come back soon. <laughs> DG, that was some segment of crazy, powerful, awesome vegan women. Uh, Up next is another amazing woman. Oh, my goodness. Another one? Another one. We've already outdone ourselves. I, I, And I kid you not, she is fabulous. She's one of the most amazing of all. Yeah. Miss Georgie Dix with the Sea Shepherd Conservation Society, as well as... Ethan Wolf, also with Sea Shepherd Conservation Society. An amazing man. An amazing man. And we an don't just woman. have amazing women. Vegans wow. have amazing men, too. Can you wow. believe it? Uh, she was in New York City, specifically for the New York City Vegetarian Food Festival. Oh, is that why she was All here? the way from Perth, Australia. Perth? Perth. Wow, that sounds like an interesting place. She said it's not that interesting, <laughs> but it's on a beach. Oh, so well, that's interesting. They win. They win over us. Yeah. We got a beach somewhere, don't we? Yeah, but you don't go in it barefoot. <laughs> <laughs> there you walk around barefoot, go to the beach on your lunch break. So, and see whales. Whales? Whales. Real whales? Real whales. 
I'm glad there's still some left. I know. Thanks to the Sea Shepherd the Sea Shepherd Conservation Society. It's time for that last interview that everyone's been waiting for. <laughs> the Sea Shepherd Conservation Society. Woo! Direct action heroes of the animal rights movement. Um, we had we caught up with Ethan Wolf. Uh, the New York City coordinator of the ch- the New York City chapter, and um, we had a visitor the, from. from Perth, Australia. Perth? Yes, a, a lovely, amazing, phenomenal veganista, Miss Georgie Dix. You sound very smitten. I am smitten. You're smitten by Georgie Dix, Georgie. Georgie, quite the fabulous lady. Another one we had the pleasure of catching up with this weekend. It's another vegan lady. Another fabulous vegan lady. It's amazing. It is amazing. I think we've just broke our record. Ah, it was quite a fabulous weekend. And... Oh, your bunnies come out again. Lady Bun. Lady Bun. She hears us talk about the bunnies. She she wants to celebrate vegan radio. So I think this this right here is the tipping point for humanity. Vegan Radio 100, I think, is the tipping point for humanity. Yeah. When the the patriarchy is going to slide more into matriarchy for a little uh, while. Yes. Yeah. So maybe that means from now on, every episode will have fabulous female vegan power. <laughs> well, it could. With me, of course. Yes, well, as long as you're here. Yeah. It's already tipped in the in the favor of women, I can tell. And I'm going to try my hardest to get Miss Georgie Dix back to New York City. You are? Yeah. I wrote her this song. I hope she you likes it. You wrote Georgie Dix's song? I did. Get out of here. I did. This for you, Miss Georgie Dix. You wrote a song about it, Lovie? I That's wrote just a crazy. song about it. Well, I'm crazy for her, and I just wanted to know. That I wanted to come back sometime to see me. <laughs> well, let's see what she got now. Georgie the Aussie, come back to New York City. Oh, Georgie the Aussie, please come back to New York City. Georgie the Aussie, your hair is so, so pretty. My Georgie the Aussie, your smile. Australia. Perth, Australia. And I want to be there with you. Oh, I wish we could be there in Perth, Australia. Perth, Australia. 
Like I'm a beast. Someday I'm going to get started in I'm Georgie Dix and I volunteer for Sea Shepherd Conservation Society. And where did you get that accent? I got that accent from my parents. I'm English, but now I live in Australia, volunteering for the Sea Shepherd chapter there in Perth. And that's, that's where they're doing the whale campaign out of Australia this year? Uh, yes, they are. It's the uh, Australian Sea Shepherd chapter that are organising and um, sort of telling people about uh, the campaign because the US Sea Shepherd chapter can't can't legally talk about it uh, due to the injunction on Paul Watson. Oh, wow. So, so what is... Uh, there's so many questions. Yeah, you so, ask one first, Lily. So, since there's this no talk about, like, everyone's big shush, do you think you have, uh, in Australia, like, a more captive audience, like, people who are listening there? Because here we have almost no one, like, besides... If you ask people, like, oh, do you know the show Whale Wars? That's as high as they're, like you know, knowledge of this goes? Do you think there's more of a knowledge of what's going on in Australia because of you guys being there? Yeah, in Australia, because the whales that they hunt in Antarctica are the whales that swim up and down our coastline. People are much more aware of the whaling issue. We see them every day. Uh, We're very much a coastal community of people. And there's freedom of speech for, for this Antarctic campaign. So... It's a lot easier to talk about it. Not so many people have seen Whale Wars in Australia because we don't have the Animal Planet cable TV. Um, and if we do, it's very far behind. So people know more about the campaigns than they do Whale Wars. And, that's um, great. That's actually good. Yeah, that's what we wish it was like that here. <laughs> yeah. Can you can you talk at all about the latest campaign or? I can't tell you uh, much about it. All I can tell you is there's four ships there at the moment, or four ships in Antarctica, and um, they're doing a very good job. And I'm not going to say any more. Okay. They were, I mean, they were. It's been in the news a little bit. Yeah. So. Can we say it? it or, no, we won't. We won't go there. Okay. <laughs> it's very hush hush. This operation. So you're also doing stuff in the Galapagos, and what else is going on with Sea Shepherd around the world? Um, so not only is Sea Shepherd doing Galapagos stuff. Oh no. <laughs> no, you guys are doing the, uh, I thought I was Japan, so smart right? there. So we're, yeah, we're doing uh, the dolphin defense campaign in Taiji. It's Operation Infinite Patience because you need patience to be there. It's not like a normal Sea Shepherd campaign. It's not direct action. Uh, we have to record and document all of the slaughters and all of the captures and basically distribute it out onto our social networking sites making sure the world is constantly up to date via Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, just um, letting the world know what's happening right now uh, in the cove. Uh, thank God, uh, well not God, but thank someone, <laughs> Neptune, that they've stopped killing uh, the dolphins for this season. It's now officially over, but that still doesn't mean that the capture the fight, right? is the still... not over. Yeah, it's not over. Yeah, it's unfortunate what's going on all over the world. Yeah, it's... And do you still do um, campaigns against the sealing in Canada? I have never done that one, but I know it's been pretty uh, a pretty hairy campaign. Uh, lots of the sealers are pretty rough people. They have threatened the crew and often injured them, none of which got any... Um, 
reprimand or any sort of uh, offence or punishment for what they did. Uh, sea Shepherd people were locked up, and that's where Peter Hammerstead did his silence, nobody talks, everybody walks uh, action. He sat there in silence for three hours in the police office, and eventually they just let him go. Because, oh, really? Yeah. That works. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> Things get a little crazy tonight at the after party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to be there? Hopefully. Yes. I hopefully. I'm so excited to hang out with you again. <laughs> Fantastic. And how much longer are you in the States? Uh, I'm only here till Tuesday morning, so I've got to go back to Perth and carry on with my job so I can save up and go to Japan again in October. Oh, wow. Uh, what are, do you have any messages for the world? What, what would you like to convey to our captive audience? I just want to tell them that the most important thing you can do is choose what's on your plate and please choose not to eat seafood and get involved with Sea Shepherd or any organisation you can and just be active in your community and don't be passive and that's the best thing you can be. Be active. Don't be passive. Oh, here he is. Oh, look who decided to join us. Oh, we're doing a vegan radio interview. Who's, what, could you tell us your name and your uh, affiliation? My name is Ethan. I'm the chapter coordinator for the New York City chapter of Sea Shepherd Conservation Society. I'm also a code guardian. Um, I spent uh, parts of the 2011-2012 and the 2012-2013 campaigns in Taiji, Japan, monitoring and documenting the dolphin slaughter. What's going on in New York? How can people in New York City get involved right now? Well, the first step to get involved is getting on our email list and uh, completing the onshore volunteer application on Sea Shepherd at seashepherd.org. Um, and then we do an onshore volunteer training just to give people the knowledge base and the skill set to table with us and to do a, outreach and education. Um, we do a lot of events in New York. Um, this weekend will be, I think, our 12th event in 2013. Wow. Yeah. Um, today is March 2nd. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in January, um, we had, or January into February, there was a wildlife film, a conservation film festival that um, I spoke at, and then we also, we tabled there for the three days, and then um, we also had three events in February. So if, um, if people want to get involved, um, it's really... You choose your level of involvement. So, if you have an idea for an event, or you want to, um, you know, create something new, you really just bring it to me as a chapter coordinator, and I would discuss it with the, the six people who help me run the chapter, my core group, as well as my boss at Sea Shepherd headquarters, and we'll see if it's a viable project to work on. Um, and then, of course, tabling. Um, two people who, actually, I guess three people who were at our last onshore volunteer training um, in January are tabling with us today. I think we have two or three more tabling with us tomorrow. Wow. And how many chapters are there throughout the U.S. and the world, you know? Uh, throughout the world, I think we have almost, we have chapters in almost 20 countries. Um, throughout the U.S., and because the Canada chapters fall under the U.S. as well, um, there's about a dozen. A dozen. Yeah. You know, we have people who, uh, our newest chapter is actually um, Jacksonville, Florida, and there's um, uh, people have been interested in starting chapters in other parts of Florida. So there's sort of the overall Florida, but the state is just too big for, there, for it to be one chapter. And what do people do if they want to start a chapter? 
really you, you have to get involved um, so if you're not if you don't live somewhere where they're near a chapter you, you probably need to go there uh, but you need to become an onshore volunteer first and Sea Shepherd needs to get to know you really um, so there, there's not a formal process at this point although one has been discussed um, just there's a lot that goes into running the chapters. There's a lot of paperwork you have to do for each event. There's um, you know, just keeping your merchandise stores. There's also it's, there's a lot of merchandise that's sent out to do an event like this. Um, and um, it, it's necessary for that person, Sea Shepherd, to have a relationship with that person. Cool. And are you um, able to talk about any of the current campaign, or is that kind of um, off the books? Well, I can say that... Um, our whale defense campaign is being uh, run by the, the whale defense campaign is being run by Sea Shepherd Australia. So, for more information about that, you can visit seashepherd.org.au. Um, the other current campaigns we're right now wrapping up our dolphin defense campaign in Taiji, Japan. It's a town that was the subject of the Cove. Um, the documentary came out in 2009, and Sea Shepherd's been going there since 2003. So, their dolphin slaughter and capture, um, which can go into March, has has just wrapped up, although we're, uh, there have been a couple of dolphin transfers, the dolphins being sent to other part, other either dolphinariums within Japan or outside of Japan. We always have a campaign in Galapagos. We have a permanent office there. Um, oh, they do have a... They do have a Galapagos. I asked her and she made, well, it's, made it's, it sound it's, like I was crazy for a second. It's a permanent office. Um, uh, one of our... He was a captain of the Bob Barker Alex for Nielsen, um, uh, although he's not captaining it uh, this year. And he, um, but he runs that office. And we work with the park ranger. So a lot of the equipment that they have, like the radios and the ship identification system, uh, they also have their canine units. Um, they're the only canine units in the in that part of the world trained to sniff out, um, you know, marine wildlife or, or um, wildlife trafficking or even actually drugs. They'll they'll do that too. Um, they. Um, that stuff has come through Sea Shepherd. We've either funded it or put, put together the equipment for them. But if you speak Spanish, you can actually become, a, you, know, you can sign up and go to Galapagos and serve really with them and the park rangers. Um, that Sounds like a good reason to learn Spanish. Right? Yes, it's my reasoning for learning Spanish. Um, so those are our presently active campaigns, but um, we are about to kick off a new campaign in the United States. Um, it was uh, We had it last year, but there's a plan to kill almost 100 uh, sea lions at the Bonneville Dam or in Astoria, Oregon, and that's the Oregon-Washington state border. And they want to kill the sea lions because they eat salmon, which of course is what sea lions eat. So if a sea lion has, has been seen eating salmon or um, certain other behavior, they're branded and then they're harassed with rubber bullets or uh, flashbang grenades or um, air horns or water to scare them off. Um, and if they've been seen, I think it's three times within, um, and there's no time frame for that. So it could be three days in a row or it could be once over the course of the last ten years, um, they'll, they'll kill them. So and what are they planning to do about the humans that are eating the salmon? Well, we certainly think that humans should be fishing the salmon. Um, the salmon stocks have been radically depleted by overfishing, not only in that region and in, uh, on the Columbia River, but really across the world. Um, uh, and there, it, it's one of these arguments that they say, well, they're eating the fish, but we're the one. The humans are the ones taking most of the, the salmon population. Maybe we should go into seafood restaurants with bullhorns and rubber bullets and 
start uh, getting the humans. Those humans. Yeah. Well, I don't really think Sea Shepherd could. Uh, uh, I didn't. I wasn't asking you that, to do but, that. Um, <laughs> it certainly would be, you know, an interesting uh, idea. And Sea Shepherd did do an undercover investigation several years ago when it was discovered a restaurant in Santa Monica, California, the Finn, was serving whale meat, which is illegal in the U.S. And so um, there was there was a project. You know, people went in on several occasions, purchased um, the products or the the dead whales. It was tested, and then as a result, actually. Um, I believe there, the indictments were recently handed down, so the owner and the chef and a few other people were indicted for the importation and the sale of whale meat. So there are certain things with restaurants that Sea Shepherd has been involved in. I just don't know about rubber bullets and megaphones. <laughs> that was just a joke. I, 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 I did read an article recently that said that there's like a, some huge percentage of mislabeled um, seafood on the market now. It's like this big thing. You know about that? Yeah, I saw those articles as well. It's it's a typical um, typical strategy to sell to make more money. Actually, one of the um, New York news stations ran an article, uh, ran a story about it a couple of months ago. I don't know if this was based on the results of the study, um, since I don't think the study had actually been released, or if this was there was another study and this was a, a more recent one. But even within Japan, dolphin meat, which isn't eaten by that many people, will be labeled as whale meat, which is only eaten by a few dozen more people. Um, they'll also call pilot whales, which are a type of dolphin, um, they'll call it taiji whale. Um, and sell it that way because it's, there's more of a market because it has the word whale on it. So we have seen um, certainly the less quote-unquote desirable fish being labeled as things that are more quote-unquote desirable so that the seafood uh, importers can make more money. It's absurd what goes on in the world. It's like we have the horse meat scandal here and yeah. it's all ties together with and an animal is an animal. If you're eating meat, you don't really know what you're getting. Exactly. All right, well, thanks. Do you have any other questions, Lobi? You answered my the, question. You've been the silent partner on this I one. Know. Right? I'm, I'm in awe. I love Sea Shepherd. I, I'm about to go buy my merchandise right now and get a T-shirt so I can represent a little bit of the Sea Shepherd goodness. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Ethan. Thank you, guys. Thank you. My eyes look big in these glasses. <laughs> <laughs> well, All right, so that was our 100th episode. 100 episodes! We finally made it over the hump. We're in the new era of strong vegan females. Veganistas will rule vegan radio airwaves. And the evolutionary trajectory of the human race itself, I might add. Uh, I if hope I may. So. I really hope so. Uh, All right. Well, let's go out with a bang. I like to celebrate women with. Uh, wait. Oh, oh, oh shit. shoot. <laughs> oh. Back in the hole. <laughs> that one was an accident. Oh, Georgie, <laughs> the Aussie, come back to New York City. Oh, Georgie, the Aussie, come back to New York City. Georgie, the Aussie, come back to New York City. Please come back to me.
Episode 